All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stark and Cope Chicago Sports Show. I am Dan Stark uh, here with my co-host, Noah Cope. Uh, Noah, I think, uh, has an idea, a, a new bit for us, a new segment. I guess I shouldn't say bit. It makes it sound like it's some sort of comedy thing. Uh, <laughs> Noah has a new segment that he he would like to introduce. And we're just going to roll right into it. Uh, Noah, what do you got for me here? Yeah. So my idea for the new segment, we'll call it Shake It Off. Um, and our producer can put in a little uh, Taylor Swift Shake It Off um, theme music. And the idea is basically just like if if there's a take that you've sort of wanted to get off your chest that's been bothering you lately, that sort of um, – and honestly, I, I don't even think it has to be like with the recent um, sports stuff. Mine is. But like if there's just something that maybe it's like something like – why don't the best relief pitchers pitch in the biggest moment as opposed to just closing the game? Something like that, where you just let the take that you have, you want to get it off your chest. This is sort of a segment to be able to do it. Cool. All right. So what is the, the take that you've been dying to shake off? Yeah. So the one that's bothered me um, is on the heels of Denver winning the championship. Everyone, and rightfully so, has very much been praising Nikola Jokic. He had a historic playoff run, a historic finals. The guy was unbelievable. What do you think he's I, garbage? What, yes, exactly. <laughs> what I have not liked is how much people have enjoyed his seemingly nonchalant sort of attitude towards winning, towards the the sort of historic nature of what he's done. You know, when it started when he was asked about his numbers and they'd compare him to like Wilt and all these guys historically and be like, you know what? I don't really care. That doesn't really matter to me. Um, I just want to win. And that's fine. Like that I get, but then he wins the championship and he's like, they're saying, when's the parade? And he's like, I just want to go home and be with my horses and whatever. Like well, the job's finished. We can go home now. Um, it's a job. No one likes their job. Like, that that was when I sort of was like, this is getting annoying. Like we as fans, the guys I want to root for as a fan are the guys who are obsessed with this, the guys who it, it means a ton to. And for him to just and listen, whether it's authentic or not, whatever. But I just don't like how much like praise and love and appreciation he was getting for for like his nonchalant attitude towards the whole thing when like that's. The whole, like why do we love Kobe why do we love Michael it's because these guys were obsessed with it and it in turn makes us want to be obsessed with it and the same thing with oh. with Butler when he when he, when he's like yeah, if I make the Hall of Fame I don't want to go to the ceremony it's like why are these there's like it's all of a sudden a race to be like I'm the most like nonchalant guy out there about about all this like Hold you're up. supposed okay. to care about winning you're supposed to like be obsessed with it and in sort of all the stuff that goes with it it's not like it, it, I don't know it started bothering me how much people like sort of loved his 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 attitude towards it all okay for two things yeah because we did we did not talk about this at all first thing and probably most importantly who the fuck loves kobe kobe's what? the worst what? fucking hate kobe okay kobe's <laughs> terrible kobe's like the most overrated player in nba history but you and know what whole, like oh i'm so driven is a shake it off like, segment <laughs> so I cannot shake off you saying that's why people loved Kobe. Kobe's awful. Okay, but the right, mob so mentality, all that stuff, people will like I think that, okay. Secondly, I think that you are massively underrating the importance of like being at home and being with family to a human being. Like he's living in a foreign country for since 
August or like, like when do they start training camp? Like he's been here for almost, I don't know, nine months, 10 months away from like his home away from, you know, the people that he really cares about. I think that you are, he definitely doesn't have the resources to get those people to Denver. There's no way that's that he not can. what it's about. His brothers dude. come to every single game. His wife and his kids. It's like his is is he's a prof- he's makes a he signed a two hundred and fifty million dollar contract to be in. It's Denver. not about money though. It's not. It's not just about money. It's about like being at home. And now you're doing the thing like, oh, he makes so much money, he should do this. No, like he's just, home I'm is no less important. My point is that when you make that much money, home can be wherever the hell you want it to be. You have the luxury of uh, with two hundred and fifty billion dollars. Yeah, he wants it all the to be. That... He wants it to be where it is. He doesn't want it to be here. Okay, that's all fine and good, but as you just the... won the NBA championship, and you're all all you care about is it's like, come on, dude. Like as fans, I want I. I and we'll see from from the draft we do after this. Like all my favorite players are the guys who it seems like they just gave like they gave like they gave a shit. They cared more than anyone else. They were willing to 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 leave it all on the field, leave it all on the floor. Like those are the guys that that are absolutely my favorite. That lived and you know died with the sport. And it this sort of like whole nonchalant attitude. I don't know. It it, it ticked me off a little bit. When he I think that like, you're. I think that you're. You're I get that you don't like like that people are kind of lionizing him for some of this stuff, but at the same time, he did fucking win. It's not like he was like, Oh, I don't really care that we lost the NBA finals because I just want to go home. He fucking won the title, and it was him. Like he did the lion's share of the work to get that title. He should be able to do whatever the fuck he wants. If he wants to go to Disney World, he should be able to go to Disney World. He wants to go he home. Can, he let the can guy go home. Absolutely, do it. But us, as like uh, on Twitter and like all the the meat, whatever, like that's he's welcome to. I just in terms of what we want to sort of put on a pedestal and like what we want to give. Like I don't know why people like wanted to revere him for this lack of caring. That's the part that it's that not sort a of lack of caring. It's just a prioritization of things that you don't agree with. Yes, I want I want my superstars, my two hundred fifty billion dollar players, to be obsessed with basketball. I don't I don't give a shit about that. The guy just fucking won the title. Who cares what his opinion is of basketball? He was the best player in the league. He really has been the best player in the league for the last three. years. He should have okay. been MVP this year. I, he deserved MVP again this year. He won the title. It's like, what do I care how he feels about it? It's it, to me, it's almost more impressive. That he doesn't give a fuck and he's still this fucking good. And he clearly works on his game. It's not like he doesn't give a fuck. I don't care whether or not he lives and breathes basketball. Like he clearly works at it during the off season. He clearly works at it in season. He plays an extremely entertaining form of basketball. Like probably the most entertaining center I've ever seen. I mean, the only, the only guy would on, on the floor, he is absolutely. He's so why do you so, give a shit? That's what matters. That's between the no, lines. Because it's, it's, that's, I know you quickly wanted to dismiss Kobe, but the reason that people revere the guy and talk about the mom mentality yeah, of marketing and all, this, and all this stuff is because not because if that's who he was, marketing. he was the guy marketing. There's, there's a count. There's, there's he was a brand. What? Okay. There are stories when he, when all those guys are are at the 2008 Olympics and they're coming back at 2, 3 a.m. and Kobe's the one waking up, already has a workout in and is putting up shots. Like that's, there's a reason that that all the players now and ta- like all these guys, Tatum, 
Kyrie, all the, they they revere the guy is because he was absolutely obsessed with the game and wanted and will do whatever it took to win. That's why people. Yeah, but like that's Michael, not what everybody. That's, that's why people. What, but you're but you're making it sound like of, this should be a universal opinion. It doesn't. Some have people to don't be care whether or not people opinion. Re- but in terms of what I, as a sports fan, listen, there's, in, logically speaking, we get nothing out of this engagement, right? We spend our money and our time to watch these guys, and what do we get in return? In we don't really get We're anything. entertained. We're right. entertained. We, right. We are entertained. Right. That's it. And so the guys that like I, I want the guys that I'm watching and entertaining me to seem like they give the same amount of shit as I do. Yeah, and I could not get to in the way that I now if they're if they're dogging it on the court, that's something entirely different. But that's not what you're accusing him of. You're accusing him of like violating some code that you have that he should live by okay, so let's when he's, he's not between he's the lines, 30, when it's let's not say a game. He's 32 and he's like, you know what? I'm just calling it. I want to be home. Whatever. Am I allowed to be annoyed with that? When this guy's clearly super talented. What, let's no! say he's 32. Are you allowed to be annoyed by that? No. What the fuck are you talking about? If you're a fan it's of Denver, life. that's fucking asinine. If it's, if you're I a fan of Denver, opinion. And you and you want and, and this is your team and he's the best player on it. He and owes he, you nothing. Like, Are you fucking of crazy? He owes you, he owes, he owes you nothing. No, oh, that's oh fuck he out owes of you here. Nothing fuck out of here. You're a this is honestly this is a crazy opinion. He owes you nothing. If he wants to retire tomorrow, good for him. I wasn't mad at Michael Jordan when he retired. That's that's what you're talking fuck about. Off. Yes, you were. I was not. But he stepped away. I was disappointed. I wasn't hey, mad. Whatever synonym you want to say. As a sports fan, you were disappointed in the guy. That's not. No, I wasn't disappointed in the guy. I was disappointed that I wasn't going to get to see him play anymore. Those are two entirely different things. You it's his dis- fucking life, Noah. You're. This is basically what they talk about with the plantation mentality. These guys owe you nothing. They owe you zero. The, you are, feel entitled to something from them because you're entertained by them. What do you mean the plant? When the, we're talking about a plantation mentality of guys who make two hundred fifty million dollars, Noah, you do not own what you, them. What are you, you talking about? Life. It is their. You're confusing the money. Great, they okay, make so, money. So no but one you, is allowed. You're to get saying upset because they Morant, make money. Right? No because one they get make upset money. with John Morant. That's his decision. He didn't break any laws. He decided to flash guns. No one can be upset by that, right? That's his decision. Uh, yeah, they can be upset with that. Why? You could be. You could be. Look, you. That's his decision. He didn't break up- any laws. That's what the lifestyle right. he decided it is his to decision. live. But I don't have to. I don't have to agree with his decision. But he doesn't owe me to make a different decision. Of course, I can he doesn't be morally owe against something. About, I'm talking. He doesn't owe you to make a different decision. I'm just talking about the guys that I want, like the guys that I want to root for and the guys who are who I want to revere as athletes are the guys who give the most. Okay, th- that's that that part is fine. To me, where it mat- and to me where it crosses the line twice is expecting every that to that to be a universal opinion, which is not and which it's not. And then to think that because that's what you are, that you have a right to be mad at somebody for deciding what to do with their own life, Noah. It's his life. 
They owe you nothing. Yes, if 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 someone that talented, he doesn't owe me anything. I still would be disappointed. And and if I was a fan of Jordan and he walked away, I would say yes, I'm disappointed in in Jordan for walking away. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't owe me anything. But I would be disappointed in the decision he was making. There's nothing to no, do with what he decision. owes me. Of yeah, course, it, it's his decision. I as as someone who very who who enjoys watching the guy and who who. Who would have loved rooting for the guy? I would have been disappointed in that decision. I don't. I, whether you want to separate it from being disappointed in him versus being disappointed in the decision, I, I think is just semantics. But well, I'm no, you, gonna, but you my said emotion you, you is going to be mad. You said yes. Mad I would. I would him. be mad at him. Yes. That is that is completely different from being disappointed that you don't get to continue to watch him play. Yes, but that. Okay, if you want to separate the the decision from the person, that's fine. But I would be mad at the situation. Like to me, it, it it it's like I'm mad. Like someone, listen, I don't want to get too off topic here. But whether you're mad at decision versus a person, to me, it's sort of jumbled it into one into one sort of. No, but it's not even. But it, the thing is, you're talking about like anger and at the decision being disappointed that you no longer get this amazing thing isn't directed towards oh why did he do this why did he make this decision or why is he this kind of person who makes decision it's not that it's that this thing that i really liked is now gone and i wish i could have had more of it but okay and right but it also there is a a an inherent part of that of this thing that I now like is gone, and this is the person who decided to no. to, to make the decision to, to take that no, away. Because, but no, you can't being, separate that out of it. Yes, you can because you are if you if you have empathy, you can you can decide. Hey, this guy this guy had a lot of shit go down. Right, he lost his dad got murdered. He's been at the top of the game. He's been under this like insane amount of pressure. It took him forever to like actually kind of get to the mountaintop. He's now done it three times in a row, which no one has done. Uh, I think since Russell, right? The, these these were things that nobody had done, and now he's deciding to walk away. That's his choice. Of course, it's his like, choice. So, and, and so just, like, I would be, be mad, mad at, at the, him. Okay, no, I, I you would be I would be mad at the decision. It's a decision I wish didn't happen. It, it it like it's something that would upset me as someone who enjoyed watching it. Like to me, we're getting caught up in semantics. So no, we're not. I think that I don't think this is semantics. I think these are two entirely different ideas. Right. Like okay, you I are still you're I still can't. directing what you're feeling at a person, whether whether you're saying it's him or the decision that he made, you're still directing it at a person. I'm talking okay, about like the, the, the loss con- of an experience the that I actual that, consequences are would would be the exact same, whether I, I like there, it, it's going to make no difference in in actuality where because no, at no point was like, Jordan, that motherfucker, why did he retire? Like, that wasn't the way that I thought about it. You never had that thought? I wasn't, no, I wasn't. Dude, first of all, uh, at the time, the only thing I had before the Bulls came around was the 85 Bears. And then this guy comes in. He's clear, like by far the best player in the league. I watched him for nine seasons. But it, and it they be, won I've, three titles in a row. Let me say it this way. It would be like, damn, like, damn, I'm mad at the guy. I'm not like I'm mad at the, like, I damn, I wish things would have gone different. Is that like damn? Like I wish you didn't. I, like if Jokic decides to walk away at 32, he's entitled to that decision without question. He could do whatever the fuck you want. My thought would be, damn, I wish the guy was just wired in a different way, where he wanted to play until he's 37. 
No, because you don't know. No, but you don't know what these what these guys are dealing with. I have no maybe, idea. Maybe, I'm saying I wish so maybe Jokic gets depressed. I, wish, I right. So that's why I was like, damn. I wish the circumstances around Jokic were sucked. But that's not what you just said. Yeah, that's I wish he was said. wired in a way. I I just said I wish he was wired in a way, which means for him to be wired in that it's, way, the circumstances would have to be different for that. But to be that's the case. that's funny. That's blaming the person for the thing instead of being like, all right, this is what he wants to do with his life. Go ahead and let him. But I just said he's more he's more than entitled to make the decision. All I would say is I wish the circumstances around him in the way that he viewed the game and whatever was going around was different so that he could continue playing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement. Yeah, that's certainly softer than what you said initially, which was that you would be pissed at Jokic for retiring. That I cannot get behind. What you said now is, okay, I think we might do a separate shake it off segment on this shake it off segment because I'm pretty heated now. Uh, and I might have some more thoughts. Okay. So wait, so you were mad that he was being put on a pedestal for this thing that you what you see as his nonchalance towards the game. Correct. Yeah, I think that's crazy too. Because look, he did everything he crazy. needed to do to win the title. Sure. But so... uh and I, whatever gym rat you can come up with, who's like so dedicated to the game, didn't win the title, didn't win finals MVP. Correct. And as we're about to have this draft, the guys who I care about are not necessarily the best Chicago athletes. It's yeah. the guys. It's the guys who were a lot of time the heart and soul of those teams, and the guys to me who I sure. I, I really enjoyed watching because you could tell that they're that every time they're out on the court or out on the field, there was a hundred and twenty percent effort. And yeah. They, see, I, 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 and they were the first we'll ones to stick up it. for a teammate, and they like th- those yes. are the guys to me that that I really enjoy. And watching. we'll get into this uh, really shortly, but I, my guys are not necessarily that. It's I have largely guys who either uh, I do have a lot of guys who played with enthusiasm, right? But that's not the same to me. Playing with joy and playing with enthusiasm isn't the same as being a psychopath about whatever sport they are in. Um, so that's, and then I also have guys who I just enjoyed their like sheer athletic ability and like their, their occasional uh, um, flashes of like true transcendent greatness. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a range of different guys, but a lot of the guys that I tended to gravitate towards, towards the top of my list were sort of those, heart and soul of the team kind of guys. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. So that was a Probably very our, rocky our most heated segment <laughs> I think in the history of the pot. Uh very Yeah, no, it was fun. I mean, look, I, I like disagreeing with you. Uh especially when I'm clearly in the right. So let's move on to uh Noah, you kind of teased it already and obviously we talked about it last week. Uh although <laughs> Can't help but notice. Maybe not as many people are listening as we go week to week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's not necessarily a good sign. Uh, but this week, Noah, this was also your idea. So why don't you explain it? Yeah. So we sort of just talked about it a little bit, but we're doing a draft of our, um, well, I guess it'd be my all-time, all-time. Yeah. favorite Chicago, that, yeah. Chicago sports athletes. Dan is moving his list to sort of when I became a Chicago sports fan um, and sort of in my lifetime. And so we're just going to go back and forth 
see how many rounds it ends up taking us. We're thinking around 10 of just going back and forth and, and talking about um, our favorite, our favorite Chicago sports athletes. I thought this was a good idea. And as Noah said, um, it really is the favorites. And I did make a separate list, which we'll get into uh, when we get there for just because I wanted to kind of think about who I like, because really um, Noah's entire, really entire lifetime. I was, I've been an adult. So you're kind of the way that you see athletes when you're like either their age or older than them is obviously much different than when you're first coming on the scene in your seven. And I look back at all of my favorite uh, like early Cubs guys are because I was watching some game and like they made a crazy catch or they made it like a sing, a singular great play right. in a game that I watched early on. And then, so like, that was my favorite player then for the next three years or whatever. Um, and like I said, being an adult is a, is a much, the way you kind of consume the sports is much different and your emotions towards them, right. Uh, are also um, much different. Uh, I'm very intrigued to see the sort of overlap or lack thereof that we end up having um, for our athletes. Yeah, I guess we'll, uh, we're soon to find out, I suppose. Um, okay, so we decided <laughs> that yeah, we, were gonna just, we were going to pick the, we were going to pick the, uh, the, uh, who's going to pick first. The draft order was going to be determined by a game of rock, paper, scissors. Uh, we are not in the same location. So we're just going to say rock, paper, scissors, and then yell out what our choice is. Uh, and then that person will pick first. Um, all right, you ready for this, Noah? Yeah, ready, ready. Rock, Rock paper, paper, scissors. scissors. Oh, wait, you're, wait, you're going too slow. Hold okay, on. okay. This is this is gonna be the cadence. Rock, paper, scissors. Although maybe it's gonna be screwed up because of the delay. Maybe this won't even work. I don't even know. Let's try it. We'll try. So right. we're gonna go. Ready? Rock. Rock. Rock paper, paper. Scissors. 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 Yes. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> damn it. All okay. Right, now. I have a feeling that our number one player is the same. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so with my first overall pick, and I really struggled with the top three, but but I, I my first overall pick. Uh, do I know? Not I really know struggled. What's that? I think I know where you're going. But go so ahead. I, my my top three. Well, I, don't know, I guess I. You're not going to change your order, basically. No, no, but don't don't tip. Just go with your number okay, one guy. Tip. All right, my number one pick is uh, Joaquin. Fuck, <laughs> fuck. I felt kind of bad because his last name is Noah, and obviously like, Noah had the jersey. But like, just the the sh first of all, just just his game. Like I I loved his game. You know, defense, rebounding, but like truly being the heart and soul of those teams uh, just playing so hard that um, like steel and full court don't oh, the, the Pierce. Uh, yeah. At the end of whatever game of the game, Celtics, game six, game Triple six of that Celtics series. 2008 season. I couldn't remember if it was eight or nine. Was I think it's the 2008, 2009 season. Yeah. It was Derek Rose's rookie year. Yeah. That, that's probably like my favorite highlight to watch of the last yeah uh 20 some i i, I start like i said i 
basically started at the two at the year 2000 even though i know noah wasn't a fan yet just because whatever it's fine this is the way i decided to do it um and that way we would have some guys that aren't in overlap but yeah it was just he played with so much heart gave, like always played hard was a character like truly had fun out there um and I was always baffled, like how much other fan bases hated him because like he had so he like Noah said, he truly gave a shit, but he also did it in a way that was like very joyful. Yeah. Um, he just like clearly loved playing basketball uh, and it showed and it's hard not to like a guy like that. Yeah. So the reason he was. I had two guys for basically one A, one B, and the reason he was the top of my board was the same reason. Just like that was the Rose was the, the best player on the team, but Noah was was the heart and soul of the team. He was going to be, you know, if there was ever a scuffle, he was going to be the first guy in there to defend, you know, his players and, and stand up for his guys. Like you said, play the game with a ton of joy. Had some truly awesome seasons in there. Won a defensive player of the year. Yeah, was a top five MVP voting one year. Really took over that team as a facilitator when when Rose got hurt and went down. Um, he yeah, just he was was so much fun to watch. He sort of did some of the Jokic stuff before that was even you know invoke. They yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Him at the top yeah. of the key. Yeah, the, he really he was like Jokic, except for he couldn't shoot worth a right. shit. Yeah, <laughs> but he did. He, had, he like, but they they ran a lot of offense. Uh, through him and he was good like he was a good passer he was actually a good ball handler too like he, yeah that streak of i remember that yeah i remember that story that you know he had been uh point guard like playing basketball early on and then all of a sudden he just like Gross kept part. growing yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. uh and it showed uh in his game all right so i i, I did get uh noah so who was your one b then so I don't you're, know how high you're going to have this guy, but for whatever reason, just as a young kid, I always gravitate towards this guy. And I wasn't really a fan for some of his, probably his most electric season. Okay, wait, Devin, can, I, did, can I guess? I was going to say, I was going to guess Hester. Yeah. Okay. Devin Hester. Yeah. Just the, like probably the the most fun highlight reel to me of of any Chicago athlete. Like I just, for whatever reason, I always gravitate towards the guy. And I think it's because when that guy had the ball in his hand on a punter kick return, it just felt like anything could truly happen at any moment. He could bust a big one. Like I just, I'll still go onto YouTube and search up his, like, you know, all of his returns and stuff. And yeah, like I said, like I wasn't, I, I wasn't really locked in for that, for that rookie season, but I still got to see, I'd say 70% of his return touchdowns. Like I just, I don't know. I love the soldier boy thing, the swagger that he sort of played with. I, I always, it wasn't like he was never the best player on the team, but he best return man of all time. Like I just always sort of gravitated towards just how absolutely electric he was as a player. Yeah, I had him. So I kind of put my people into tears and then figured I would kind of make, make calls, make some game time decisions. And he was in my second tier. I like, he was one of three guys that I was kind of trying to figure out how to, uh, how to put them in. Yeah, he was amazing. I think the the one thing he had so many returns called touchdown returns called back by penalties, too. Like stupid like, stuff. And, and like so, stuff that wasn't even near the ball and like, yeah. like just annoying stuff like that. He was a true game changer, which is hard in football. Like, you know, that um, so much of football is, you know, kind of slowly making your way down the field. 
Um, or yeah, you could hit a bomb every now and then, but like the, the fear that he inspired, like teams choosing to kick out of bounds on kickoffs at times, like if they couldn't get it to the well, end zone, also, they were like, you're like, as a young fan, you you like, you don't necessarily understand all the intricacies of football, but yeah. when you see a guy who's just like, when this guy gets the ball, he can go to the end zone at any moment. Like you just yeah. sort of grab, you tend to gravitate towards, towards a guy like that. And my debate in picking him this high was, was like, like to me, he's this high. I think I could have gotten him later because I didn't necessarily think you had him as high. And so there's one other guy that I was thinking, even though he's lower on my my quote unquote draft board, I was thinking of picking here, but I wanted to be genuine to my to my list. So I took him. Yeah. All right. And I, like I said, I would have. My guess is that because of some of the overlap, that I would have taken Hester probably third or fourth with whoever you had taken. Um, so the number two guy on my list, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) I'm going to do it again is hobby. Okay. He didn't, he didn't take my guy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I loved hobby. Like, you know, and he's, what's funny is he really is not what I would think of as being my kind of baseball player. Meaning like the, I don't mind the strikeouts, but I, I, my whole thing is you can strike out all you want as long as you're drawing walks. Right. Get on base. Uh, what's that? Get on base. Yeah. And, you know, Javi in his best years, I think, struggled to put up like a 330 OBP. I'm not looking at the stats, but I would have to assume that that's about where he was even in his really good years. But again, so much joy in playing the game and so much style. And just, I mean, I could watch those tag compilations. Yeah, he was out there like he he's the greatest tagger of all time. Uh, The no look tag in the WBC where he's pointing to Molina before. It's like how like the amount of just sheer confidence you have to have to be able to make a play like that is is awesome. I mean, he's he's a one man highlight reel. He's he's a reason alone just to come to the ballpark. You can watch him and you can see something as a fan that you really never saw before with Javi. Yeah. Just so much fun to watch. Uh, I, I like, you know, you talk about guys who are super dedicated to their craft. I like guys who have fun and make watching the game more yeah. fun. And he definitely did that. And, you know, especially it's funny too, because you think about how electric he was at shortstop and that they had him at second base because they like Russell. Addison Russell, they thought that Russell was the better defender, which Maybe he was. I know Russell like did rate pretty highly. Like his his metrics were pretty good, um, but that guy, that guy was just born to play shortstop. Uh, the, the hands and you know, not, not, and then the 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 bat speed too. You know, yeah, the, you could see him hit a five hundred foot home run. Like, right, that's the, the other this side. Guy, right, this guy who is I don't know five ten a hundred and. 75 pounds. I don't know exactly what he's listed at or how big he is, but certainly not a big dude that could just generate so much power, like pretty much all just in those quick ass hands. Uh, and uh, yeah, just a, a joy to watch for me. Yeah. So I definitely didn't have him quite that high. He was sixth on my list, okay. um, but loved Javi. The guy who I was worried you're going to take and who's my favorite cub is Anthony Rizzo. And it's for a lot of the similar reasons as as Joe Keen, but just 
the captain of that team, the heart and soul of that team was just the, like the word that always came to mind for, for me when I thought of Rizzo was consistency. Like every year you sort of knew he was going to play at first base, 150, 160 games was going to give you 30 homers. was going to give you a hundred RBIs. was never the most flashy, but it was going to give you, by the way, great glove at first base. Some of those catches on the tarp were, were super fun to watch. Um, like I said, just the, the captain in that locker room, by all accounts, also just like an awesome individual, which like I sort of gravitate towards those guys too. Um, and so I loved Anthony Rizzo. I felt like on my favorite Cubs teams of all time, like that that was the captain of those teams. Yeah, and I liked, I, I think obviously like all of the guys on that, on the 2016 team uh, have a special place uh, for me. Rizzo was never one of my favorites. Um, and I, maybe it's because it was, like you said, it was all so workmanlike and not flashy, uh, and very kind of even throughout, um, he just wasn't up there for me. I see what, but I, obviously I see why people were really drawn to him. Uh, so then what are we, what are we at the third round now? Top of yeah, the that third. Was, that was my, yeah, my second pick. Second pick. Uh, my, Clear number three, and then I kind of have a drop off and a mess after my top three is Peanut, uh, Charles wow. Tillman. Okay. Uh, I love, love Charles Tillman. You know, he's a guy that really, I mean, he got picked on, and I don't even mean by like opposing quarterbacks. He got so many bullshit PI and holding calls his rookie year. Uh, and I would watch him like, this guy's going to be good. And he was by far the, the, the history of cornerbacks for, for a team like is renowned for its defense, at least in Chicago, uh, there haven't been very many good corners um, in my bears lifetime. I mean, Fuller might be number two and he had like three good years. Uh, maybe some people would say Danelle Wolford um, peanut was just uh another guy that made big plays, you know, everyone talks about the peanut punch, you know, he was a quarterback who led the league and forced fumbles one year. That's like, so that's insane. He's a ball hawk. It's What's just that? like, it's, there's a ball hawk. It's like the forced fumbles leaders are usually defensive ends. Cause they're getting like strip sacked, like, or defensive ends slash outside linebackers who get in stri strip sacked. Or like when I was a kid, like inside linebackers, cause they're popping the, they're jarring the ball loose maybe like a safety because he's drilling somebody coming over the middle, like uh, for a corner to lead the league in forced fumbles is insane. The game that comes to mind is that game. I don't know if you remember that game. They, they blew out Tennessee. It was like 51 to 20 or something like that. And I think he had four forced fumbles in that <laughs> yeah. one. game. It's like unbelievable. Like you get like one, two forced fumbles. You're like, holy shit. You had four forced fumbles in one game. Well, in the peanut punch, like, you know, I know it, I feel like he, he has kind of gotten a lot of love. It's not like people don't know how good he was, or at least in, in Chicago, but just the, the athleticism and the hand-eye coordination behind the peanut punch, like he's moving, the guy is moving, the ball is moving, like everything is in motion. And for him to be able to so consistently hit that ball out is just, it's, it was insane. It was like nothing like I'd ever seen. And that doesn't even get to the fact that he was a big physical corner who didn't have blazing speed, 
but still rarely got beat deep. And I think the play that I always think of with him was, I think it might've even been his rookie year where uh, it was basically like a jump ball. I don't know, maybe from like 15 yards out in the end zone to Randy Moss and Randy Moss was a skinny, wiry dude, but he was strong as hell. Like, it's kind of like... Uh, he's one of the best receivers of all time. He's one, certainly one of the best receivers of all time. But Especially also, first like... a couple you, years in the league. Yeah, you did not see uh, guys wrestle the ball away from Randy Moss. And they basically both got it, and Peanut ripped it out of his hands for the interception. Uh, and that's when I was like... That's when I completely... That's why when he rose to number three on my list <laughs> was that moment. I was like... And I just loved... Loved him, loved his story. I also uh, felt like he was always underrated. He never really quite got his due as one of the better corners in the league. Yeah, not until I feel like he started to very late in his Bears tenure that people started to kind of realize. I think isn't something like he's the only guy with 30 career interceptions and 30 forced fumbles. He also had like a decent amount of defensive touchdowns. Um yeah, yeah just well, uh there was that one year where they like the entire, I think it was 2012 that year where they just the whole team was like scoring, intercepting yeah. and, and return. I think he had like a couple of back to back weeks. Yeah. He was just always had a nose for the football. All he was, was, was making plays and, and causing turnovers. Yeah. All right. So who do you got next? Yeah. Who do I want to go? All right. I'll, to me, this guy, I'm going to take Kane. And to me, Wait, I'm you not, take who? Patrick Kane. Oh, Patrick Kane. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, the probably the the number one at least in my lifetime combination of skill and flash and uh, like accomplishments and just sort of at, like he's probably on the Mount Rushmore of Chicago athletes. Not not you know I'd say the Hawks are my fourth team, but in terms of just the guy who was was I mean his nickname Showtime was the centerpiece of three Stanley Cups, has won an MVP, has won a scoring championship, like and just did it in such a flash like a, such a flashy way. Um, his his stick handling is unbelievable. His speed's unbelievable. His shots unbelievable. Again, I'm not like I I can't say I I know all the in, you know in, intricacies and ins and outs of hockey, but your eyes were always glued to '88 when he was on the ice. It's it's a shame that he's not retiring a Blackhawk. That he's not you know just in that jersey for for his entire career. But to me, like I said, Mount Rushmore of of all time Chicago athletes had just the combination of being Showtime of winning the the championships of of winning the MVPs and winning all the awards and and to me is probably the the most accomplished um Chicago player I've ever watched. Yeah, and I don't really I agree with you that he he would I I like Chalmerson a lot and I did like Bufflin before he you know his stint was kind of way too brief. Um but yeah, Kane was always the guy for me on the Blackhawks too. I would for me my Blackhawks fandom is definitely a distant fourth. And I think I've complained about fucking warts before. And, you know, the games not being on TV when I was a kid and how they made it basically just impossible to be a fan growing up. Um, and I do now there's somebody who I'm angry at about the decisions <laughs> they made. <laughs> um, yeah, it's his life. Let him do what he wants. But yeah, Kane would definitely, Kane would definitely be uh, one of uh, 
it would be way up there for me. Um, I didn't even think of any Blackhawks though, to be honest. I didn't have anyone. Yeah, on so my that's list. that's why he's listen. If he, if I was a diehard, like if I if the Blackhawks, yeah, were, were sort of up there with the, he'd probably be number one on my list because, like I said, he is just he has everything. He's 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 there. Ha- there hasn't been a Chicago athlete since Michael Jordan that I think is as as accomplished and as good as as Patrick Kane is. Yeah, and in 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 your lifetime, he has three of the four titles that you've. Yeah, and he's only one of I want to say three. I'm trying. Yeah, three athletes I've ever seen win an MVP. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, I accidentally navigated away from my list. Where the hell is it? There we go. Who boy? Wait, so that Who was my third pick, right? That was your third pick. So, well, just to recap, I've got Hester, Rizzo, and Kane. Yeah, and I have Joakim. Joakim. Javi and and Peanut. All right, we, we should put a poll. We should try at least if we can put a poll in and then see who people like more. Uh, people who whose team people like more. Yeah. Um. Oh man. I am going to go with uh, Brian Urlacher for my next pick. Um. I think the biggest thing for me with Urlacher is. Uh, I remember someone, a friend of mine, I don't remember who it was, someone coming to me, uh, mad because this was, this was early on to, uh, in Erlocker's career. And they were mad that someone was saying that, uh, they thought Erlocker was as good as Mike Singletary. And they assumed that I was going to. Jump on the singletary, the singletary side, and I was like, I think he's better, uh, <laughs> and I do. Uh, I definitely think so. At you know, at, at the end of their career, watching their entire careers, I think Urlacher was better. Now, look, the game was way different. Obviously, already it wasn't quite the 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 passing uh, league that it it's become now, but the the difference it was certainly noticeable for between the era that Singletary played in the era that Erlocker played in, but Erlocker made plays that I had never seen a middle linebacker make just sideline to sideline, the combination down. Of, what's that? Just yeah, the, the combination speed, of size and speed, speed, the size, the athleticism. And I remember, uh, I believe that, well, I, I was in Vegas, uh, for a friend's bachelor party the year of that draft, which was what I think 99, I think he was taken in. Yeah, 99, 2000. Because he won rookie uh, of the year in 2000. Is oh, that- so then it was 2000. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I guess I could click on the link that I'm looking at right now and find out. <laughs> guessing. Oh, yeah, this is 2001. That was his second year. Okay, so 2000. Uh, so I was in Vegas and they showed the highlight package uh you know that they do during the draft and i watched the highlight package i was like no no (laughs) (laughs) this guy doesn't have it doesn't have it i'm not buying and you know they they drafted him and they said he was going to play outside linebacker and then i think during yeah i think during training camp they decided to move him inside and they did because for you know he was like I think he was listed at six he was like six four, 
which is tall. I mean, that's that's like more of an outside linebacker height, I think, that you know, generally the middle linebackers are kind of the squattier guys. Uh, but just so fast. I remember this play where he like just tracked like Vic was trying to get to the corner and oh, that's Erlacher a famous just, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Erlacher, Erlacher just beats him to the corner. Like it was insane for, for his size and the plays that he made. And another guy, I think that like um, perhaps uh, politically we would not have much common ground, <laughs> but <laughs> another guy who uh, when they played just seemed like to be very joyful um, and really kind of seemed like he had fun with his athleticism like that he really felt like that it was like that kind of i don't use the word blessed because that's not like a word there used but like felt like i have this amazing thing isn't it crazy like almost like uh like in the movie shazam where like the kid realizes that he's got like these right. crazy powers like that's kind of i think how urlacher played the game and look he wasn't the there were things about his game that wasn't perfect. He had difficulty shedding blockers and there were some other things where he was, you know, not so great, but he was just so fun to watch. And like, just that there was no play that he couldn't make or that you felt like, Oh, he's not going to get there. You just, and I think that's one of the reasons why when we talked about that, like I was never a fan of Roquan because he just wasn't to that level or anywhere close. I didn't think. Yeah. So the reason I didn't really have Erlacher on my list is just because I, I sort of got the tail end of, of yeah. his career. And he was obviously, you know, one of the staples on that team. Um, but he was much slower by the time, you know, 2010, 2011. Yeah. Um, didn't have that sideline to sideline speed. And while he definitely was sort of like a guy that you could always rely on, um, especially when I was, you know, starting to watch, I just, I never got to see that, you know, the peak. And so it is yep. one of those things that's sort of disappointing where it's like, there's this guy that everyone tells you is supposed to be this sort of superhero kind of guy and you're getting him towards the, the tail end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is probably kind of what I got uh, from Walter Payton too. I got maybe a little bit more of his prime than you did with Erlocker, but he was still so good. And then he just kind of completely fell off a cliff towards the very end. Right. Uh, all right. So who do you, who do you got next? All right. I think I have to take him at this point. I'm just going to take D Rose. Probably. Yeah. Probably. I mean, definitely the most exciting bulls player I've ever got you know, the chance to watch. Um, definitely one of the most exciting Chicago athletes I've ever watched. Just is the, the combination of speed for, you know, vertical leap, um, ability to finish in traffic, the dunks, like I it just, the guy was, was, it was again, another, like one of these one man sort of just highlight reels, his, you go back and watch his, you know, in his prime, his, his YouTube, you know, reel. It's, it's, it's awesome. Like it's just some of the most fun clips um, of anyone on YouTube. I just, at that sort of what he, 2008, when he got drafted is sort of when I was really starting to come into my, my peak as as a fan, and he was probably the most popular guy in the city at that point. Won the MVP, was you know the best player on the best Bulls teams of my lifetime. Was the most exciting player on all those teams. Definitely a soft spoken guy. Didn't really get you know a ton from him, a ton of emotion on or off the court from the guy, um, but just made plays that you know I I have never seen since. Uh, may never ever see you know you know since. Um, and I, you know, the reason I have him this low is because while there were the highs were so high, 
part of D-Rose meant, at, for me, at, at 12, 13 years old, when he was going through those injuries, you're, it's probably the most emotional time for, for me as a sports fan. And so it also meant sort of the most heartbreaking um, sports moments that I've I've had to to live through. Um, so that sort of dropped him on my list because the, the lows were definitely low with, with him and I sort of wanting him to come back to this form that was so exciting and so special and just sadly him never being able to get back there. I always think of that dunk on Dragic. Oh, the, yeah. The, yeah the, which is like the Stacey King call. What are it. you doing, Dragic? <laughs> Did you not get uh, the memo? It's hard not to look back at his career and just kind of wonder what he could have become. Because, you know, he won the MVP that year. He probably was not the most valuable player by metrics, um, but certainly was electric. And who knows what his game might have evolved into. He became a solid jump shooter. Yeah, had he not had to spend so much time rehabbing and just getting healthy as opposed to, like, you know, working on his game or working on... You know, he did for a point guard, he didn't have the best, uh, he wasn't like the best passer or the most dynamic passer. Uh, who knows how his game could have evolved? Just um, the way that he was able to sort of contort his body in traffic and finish yeah. at the rim, I just, it was, I still listen. There's been guys like Morant is at probably as athletic, Westbrook, is, but I just haven't seen someone sort of with his the touch around the basket, the the ability to sort of go into a guy and sort of move around. Like there was just, there's so many plays where you just like couldn't, you had to see it in slow motion to sort of understand what exactly he actually just did. Yeah. The thing for him or with me is he was just too flat. Like in terms of right. he was, he wasn't a real excitable guy. Um, little like that, what's that? Little like that, that, that could be okay. Uh, but for like in terms of like I said, it's more of a. It's not like oh he wasn't enough of German. I know that was a criticism because like he was talk. He talked. You know there was that quote that he had about wanting to be there for his kids or whatever. I can't remember exactly right. what it yeah, was. Like I want to. And be he caught. Walk. He caught a lot of flack. Yeah. Uh, for that, it wasn't that. It was just kind of just the the way he played and like the way he talked in interviews is like just he just seemed so bored uh, by everything. Um, just, like why the year before he won the MVP and he was like, I want to be the best player in the league. I want to win the MVP. Why can't I do that? Yeah, like, it it actually, of, yeah. Great. It meant something. Yeah. And then he went out and it did it. One of three guys in my lifetime also that, that has won an MVP and definitely his peak is as high as any of the, the athletes I've ever, you know, Chicago athletes I've ever watched. Yeah. So believe it or not, I'm, I just added a player that I'm going to take next because I somehow did not think of this person. Um, Carlos Zambrano. Okay. Uh, is this the first Chicago dogs performance or is, is <laughs> this Chicago is Cubs based? <laughs> okay. Um, you know, he came up uh, when I was working at the park. I, def I definitely, I have a lot. Most of my Cubs outside uh, that are on my list are from seasons when I worked at the park, which is before you were. You were uh, when you were just a a wee, it was a wee lad, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Big Z uh, just pitched with so much emotion, threw so fucking hard, and also took batting very seriously. Uh, had 
a number of, I don't know how many he finished with, but I, th- I think he came close to double digits uh, career home runs. I think he was in double digits, actually. Was, uh, let's see if I can quickly find it. Um, but just, yeah, I just loved the way he played. Um, pitch with so much fire, like just yelling at everybody, which is this big, strong kid uh, came into the league. Um, you know, w- there was a year, I think his rookie year, he allowed nine home runs in like 200 innings. Wow. Nine home runs. Uh, he was just um, a lot of fun to watch. Um, so my, my, did my, what's that? Big, I said my, like, sort of, he was a little before my, my fandom, yeah. but like the two things that always come up with him, the no hitter, I think it was against Houston in Milwaukee. Was, does that sound right? Yeah. And then yeah, I can't remember why the game got moved because of a hurricane. Right? Yeah, so, exactly. And then him just like smashing up gateway coolers and getting ejected and, and yelling at people. Those are sort of the things that always like with Zimbrano that always come up like it was five years or 10 years ago today that that he yeah. got ejected and smashed the water. It was like that's sort of how how I've always remembered him as a, a you know sort of fiery, emotional guy. Yeah. Uh, so in 2003, the year that they uh that they won the uh nl central i guess it was all it was um (laughs) he he he, uh pitched 214 innings and allowed nine home runs uh let me see if i get into his batting stats yeah i know that i'm pretty sure that one year he had like an, an ops of like nine something yeah that sounds right to me actually uh because i think he definitely has more than 10 career homers yeah he has oh yeah yeah he had one year we had six right his 24 career homers jesus uh his best year i mean wait let me see does they give him he had a 127 wrc plus one year he hit 337 337 because he drew zero walks slugged 554 it's it's funny because with Otani in the league, it kind of makes you look at all this stuff a little differently. Right. <laughs> Where it used to be like, oh, how could he do that? But I do wonder if he had been allowed to focus on being a hitter. If he basically essentially if he wasn't able to throw 99, right. Um, could he have become just like a <laughs> big ass the Chicago, the Chicago dog should have let him do both. They should have let him do double duty. Uh, so that's why uh, Big Z is next. Was that me. your your fifth pick? I think it might already be six. Is it only five? Was Urlacher my four? Oh yeah, you're right. I think that's my fifth. Yeah. Let me see. All right. I'm all right. So for my fifth pick, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go John Lester. Um, just. When I think of big name, I mean, big, big game pitchers for the Cubs, the number one guy that comes to mind for me is Lester. Just always felt, you know, postseason baseball, everyone said it's just the atmosphere is totally different. And you always just felt slightly more comfortable when you had Lester on the mound. Um, Always felt like he was going to deliver in the big moments. Had a little F you to him, which I always loved, but, you know, curse and, and sort of yell after a big strikeout, which I always, I always love guys to do that. Um, and also I just loved what he signaled for the team. I love that he was the guy that sort of signaled we're, we're going to 
sign him to this big deal. We're ready to contend. We're ready to spend. Like this is our window. And, like we're going to go out and and get this this big you know big money free agent. And he absolutely came through and was worth every single penny of that contract. Probably the greatest, or definitely up there with the greatest free agent signings in the history of the city. Probably in my lifetime, the number one free agent signing was worth every single penny of that contract. Love the guy. Was you knew that he could be your your number one pitcher, your ace um, in any playoff series, and go toe to toe with any guy. Was going to give you seven strong innings in in any big game. Um, love John Lester. Yeah, uh, was not a fan. I mean, look, when I say that, I think one of the things I'm realizing when is you're going through is, um, almost all of the guys on both of my lists are um guys that came up with the franchise gotcha i don't have i have a couple i I, it's not like i don't have any um but almost all the guys are guys that were drafted and i watched like kind of come up you know sometimes struggle as rookies uh lester came in as a finished product and they're not to be a fan of though by the way was that you said not a fan. What's there not to be a fan? Oh, I, I don't want to say guy. not a fan. Like he wasn't on my top. He, he wasn't one of the guys that I gravitated towards in 2016. He wasn't on my list just now. It's not like, like he was fine. He was good. He wasn't my favorite of the starters on that team. Uh, if I were to pick, I probably would have go Arietta or Hendricks. Um, but certainly was. I think instrumental in changing the culture. I also, it should be noted. Uh, I think Noah and I had a few discussions about this. I wanted them to sign Scherzer that year. Um, and Scherzer got more money. And I'm again, using air quotes, which no one can see, uh, but it was only because so much of it was deferred. The present day value of the contracts were, was pretty similar. And look, who knows? I, I think Scherzer had a, better run with the nationals than the Cubs. Like when you look at regular season numbers, uh, do they win the title in 2016 with Scherzer instead of Lester? Who knows? I'll take the title. Um, So, so no regrets there, but again, because of all of these things, I, I did not like those Red Sox teams that were winning. So I was not a fan of Lester's coming in. So that makes it hard for him to then crack my list. Right. And again, the I wouldn't say necessarily while he was pitching, I was like drawn like to anything specific about him other than that that I just felt like that's a guy that when you know it's a big game and he's on the mound, I just felt a sense of comfort as it comes fan. And I don't know. I feel like in in big baseball games when you know you feel like you're losing years off your life, and this is a guy that can sort of just just give you a sense of calm. Yeah. I, 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 I like that. Um, and like I said, it, part of it wasn't even him necessarily. It's, it's what he signaled to, you know, for that team and, and for that window. Um, and you know, he came in, they, they sort of pitched him on, you know, w- pitching in, in the world series and winning world series with the Cubs and, and have, you know, two, a, a year later that that's exactly what happened. Yep. All right. So, um, Oh man, this is tough. I know we're starting to. So this, no, this is the midpoint. And this is where I said, I was going to, I was going to talk about uh, my list of guys from before 2000. Um, 
these are guys I came up with this list just because I wanted to really just think about because I was limiting myself to 2000 and beyond who would crack uh, my list. And I am going to just for this is up to 2000 just for, I didn't bother with Michael Jordan, obviously like, you know, the, the sheer amount of joy that yeah, but that's just because you're pissed off at him for retiring. That's <laughs> the sheer amount of joy that I got from watching Michael Jordan play. Um, will probably I I will never be equal because you know for one, I was eleven uh, his rookie year, so I was like right, and th- then that was eighty four eighty five. So that was like my kind of fourth year of following the Bulls pretty closely. So. And when you're a kid, like three seasons of them being terrible is like a lifetime. <laughs> so it seemed like I had, I had suffered a lot. And then this guy comes on the scene. So he's not included. Uh, and I didn't include Walter Payton either because every kid my age grew, like, grew up just idolizing Walter Payton. So this list is in some particular order, but not really ordered. Uh, my number one is Wilbur Marshall, who was like probably like one of the first football free agents ever. Like the, the, there was very, very limited free agency uh, in football in the eighties. But if you were willing to give up two first round picks, kind of like, it's basically like the way it is when you franchise a guy now. Gotcha. That was like the only way that you could see so had to give up a ton of draft capital. Uh, and Wilbur Marshall was like my favorite bears player Modern he, day you, I feel like would have hated that, by the way. Giving up two first round picks for Wilbur Marsh. No, no, no. They he got poached from the Bears by oh, the Redskins. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. He was a bear, he was drafted uh by the Bears. Um, and I just loved him. And I think too that as I was looking at my list, there's something to be said for being traded out of town early because then you never get to you don't see. The downside was like less time to be disappointed. Like he was a player who was still on the way up when he left town and no doubt in my mind that he would have been a hall of famer had he stayed here. Um, But he didn't. And apparently like I I remember seeing a couple of years back on football reference that by advanced metrics, he does really well. Um, But no one thinks of him as like one of the best linebackers of all time, which I'm, I think he would have been, uh, thought of that way had he stayed uh, in town. It was just a, a good system for his skill set. Uh, he was just a, a, a whole lot of fun to watch. Um, and it just ended too soon. Yeah, all uh, I really know about the guy is that I think he wore number 58 and was a He linebacker. wore number 58. Yeah, he wore number 58 and was outside linebacker. <laughs> and one of the indelible images of that uh, Super Bowl run in 85 is in the NFC Championship game. I don't. Remember, it was. A, I think it was a fumble return. Uh, he picked up a fumble in the uh, against the Rams, and he's like running, running with the ball, and it starts snowing, and it's like the, you know the 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 this, the super slow mo, and he ends up uh, taking it to the house. Um, just a, a a great memory when you're a 12 year old kid, and that's your favorite player already. Ten ten points a lot in that entire. Post-season yeah, shut out the two teams in the in the in the uh, NFC playoffs and then yeah, allowed 10 in the Super Bowl. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, 
All right, then the rest of my list really isn't ordered. It's just guys, and I'm not going to spend too much time. Uh, Tony Kukoc. Um, I loved Tony Kukoc. Um, really was Dirk Nowitzki before Nowitzki. Uh, maybe the better comparison might even be Luca. Um, if you look at Tony Kukoc's stat, Tony Kukoc would be so much better in the NBA now than he was then because he was a six foot 11 guy who could handle the ball had was a great passer would be another uh, fun draft by the way guys who just were born in the wrong era yes he was definitely and i know like if you look at his numbers i'm sure he was not a great career three-point shooter but he would have been now because like he would have worked would have been true he would have shot a thousand threes a day right exactly he he had a really nice stroke um and he was just he was a lot of fun to watch and he was also i think he was the the underrated, you know, people thought of the their three uh from that second three peed as being uh Jordan Pippen and Rodman. Uh I think he was absolutely instrumental in that second run. He just came off, was a great sixth man, came off the bench, did a little bit of everything, was Phil Jackson's favorite whipping boy, like got yelled at in every single timeout he was constantly getting yelled at could blow by anybody off the dribble and yet couldn't defend anyone to save his <laughs> life which i never really understood uh, Peter I, against the knicks that pippen that didn't come out for? In the pippen game yeah in the, in the, in the pippen game um yeah was a just had a a, a clutch gene uh, and like I said, just had a fun game to watch that wasn't like anything that people had really seen uh, at that point. By the way, uh, another good draft is most iconic Chicago sports moments. Oh, yeah, we could do that. That's going to be a future pod. One of our super fans, write that down for us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just to just to recap, by the way. Yeah, um, I had. Hester, Rizzo, Kane, Rose, Lester. Yes. And, and you had, had Noah, Tillman. Noah, Javi, Peanut, Erlacher, Zambrano. Zambrano. Okay. All right. So then the rest of my list. Sammy Sosa uh, was up there. Sammy Sosa was a guy I actually liked for some reason when he was on the, the White Sox because I knew about who he was. I knew who he was when he was coming up through the Rangers system. Um, was one of like the few minor leaguers that like there are certain guys who kind of break through. You would get like a futures card in a deck. Uh, I knew who he was. Um, I actually liked him, even though he was on the White Sox and the Cubs get him. And then he becomes Sammy Sosa. And I think there's a lot of kind of revisionist history that happens with, uh, with him. Um, but he played the game with a lot of excitement. Suppose he was not a great teammate, but uh, I didn't. We weren't privy to any of that stuff. Um, and brought again in terms of bringing joy um, to me as a fan. There were just so many moments um, with him that were just just great baseball moments. Uh, so he is next, and then I just have a bunch of guys: Keith Moreland, Dwight Smith. Brian Dayette, who I don't even think, I don't even had, think had 200 career at-bats with the Cubs, but for some reason, I was a kid, I latched on to him. Uh, Raymond Harris, um, who was a, a running back for the Bears, who also didn't do a whole lot. He did have a, I looked it up, he had a, he did have one 1,000-yard season. Had trouble staying healthy, but I just loved the way he ran. Like, he just ran so hard. Um, Todd Bell, uh, 
Noah, look up uh, when you get a chance. Look up Todd Bell hit Joe Washington. Um, it was in the playoffs in '84, the year before they they win the Super Bowl. Uh, he lays out Joe Washington like this is the, obviously long before we knew about like the devastating effects of concussions and if football that was advertised about. the the biggest hits and all that yeah stuff exactly was that was right. that was why that's why you watched and then, you know even Wilbur Marshall has one on uh, Eric Kippel where he hits him with the crown of the helmet of uh, he funny, just lays him out what's that a, I said there's a funny like um, video that was like going around like social media and it's like the old cbs like intro and it's like yeah. every single one of these plays would be a flag and a suspension in today's <laughs> right game. yeah uh but he just annihilated annihilated joe washington in this playoff game and i had like i had all these i had cut out all of these pictures uh, from the sports section of the chicago tribune and then i arranged that i i uh put them on my ceiling in a c uh and I, and that was like one of the pictures that I had, like, is a kind of a centerpiece on that giant sea was this picture in the tribune of him laying out a uh, Joe Washington. And then he sat out the 85 season in a contract dispute because there was no for, again, there was no free agency really. And you just kind of had to take what the team offered. Um, and he sat out the season and Dave Dewerson actually took his spot and then kind of like ran with it and became a pro bowl safety uh, himself and like Todd Bell never really played a whole lot after that uh, for the Bears. Uh, and then uh, Rafael Palmero, uh, a guy that I loved coming up and again was traded uh, very early in his tenure and then became like well, probably a steroid addled. Rafael Palmero, you know, became a guy that had 3,000 career hits, 500 homers. Um, and I did not like the trade that sent him out of town uh and then lastly alonzo spellman uh who was just a giant specimen of a man i was looking up his uh i tried to find like uh, the mock draftable stuff he's too early for that but i believe he had his arms were 37 inches long and he was just he was basically like alonzo spellman was like the dk metcalf of tight ends or excuse me, of defensive ends. Like he was just, just enormous, completely like not an ounce of body fat on the guy, just like completely shredded. Look the part. Um, was not that great of a player, <laughs> um, but there always like was the hope that he someday could put it all together, but never did. Uh, I did. I remember a play where he was getting blocked um, and he just, he was getting blocked and he grabbed Barry Sanders by the back of the Jersey. It might've been, I don't think it was a horse call. I think he just grabbed Barry Sanders and Barry Sanders was just like renowned as like a super strong, tiny guy. Like he was, he wasn't very big, but he was so strong. He just ripped him down. Like, like he was nothing. Um, and there's also another play where it was kind of like a DK Metcalf thing where he, where he uh, chased down Curtis Martin, like went across the field as a defensive end, uh, chase down, you know, the yeah, there's just know, something fourth. about about watching like a, a guy that big run that fast. Yes. Like, just, you're like, drawn it, to. Yeah. And I tried to find it on YouTube. But I couldn't find it because it's really, you know, kind of the pre YouTube era, obviously. Uh, but that is my pre list. So let's get back into it uh, with our favorites. No, or do we, should we even? How, yeah, how far? I, I can. We're probably an hour and a half, hour 15 <laughs> in. So I can just we can read our list and get out of here. I think that's better. 
Let's sort of do a quicker, a quicker version. Okay, so the, I have uh, Aramis Ramirez. Hey, why don't you go? Because I've done a lot of talking the last few minutes. So why don't you go first? All right. So I had, and after after Lester, I will say it's sort of the order isn't so. I don't know how I would pick these guys, but on the list I've got Chris Bryant. Um, again, just the the th- third guy who I saw win an MVP probably had the best you know year of any um pub I've ever gotten the chance to watch. Um loved what he signaled was sort of the the crown jewel of, of that you know that prospect pool. Um when he was you know when he came up it's it sort of signaled this is you know gonna, things are changing sort of like Lester immediately won rookie of the year the year after followed it up with an MVP and a World Series championship. Um like didn't love you know sort of his um, like didn't feel like there was a ton of personality there, a ton of flair with him. Always felt you know like I wanted a little more out of him in that sense, but um, just the on the field accolades um, and sort of what he represented for that team, um, I felt like he had to be on the list. After him, this is definitely premature, but I don't care. I had Justin Fields. Um, it's only been a couple of years, but I think he's got probably the greatest highlight reel of any Bears quarterback ever. Yeah. Um, it's another one of those guys where it's just like the, when he touches the ball, you feel like anything can happen. Um, and this could definitely go. I'm listen. Part of this is because I I very much believe in Justin Fields and think he's going to be the future of the franchise. Um, and so this could end up going the other way. But he's one of the most exciting Bears I've ever watched. He's probably the only reason I really have tuned in and I would anyways, but he is the reason I, I tune in on a weekly basis to watch, you know, a team that just went three and 14 or whatever. Um, so he made my list only, even though it's only been a couple of years. And I think he's only going to go up on that list. Hendricks, um, another guy, just consistent love sort of his, his demeanor in games, just always the same sort of straight faced, no matter what was going on, calm attitude on the mound, um, super consistent. Um, last remaining Cub. Um, from that that World Series team, and I still feel like he's sort of finding his way back too, and has has a little more left in the tank. Was a bit of a throwback guy. Loved the way that he he pitched and executed. Wasn't about just blowing away guys. You know, thought it was fun to watch a guy who was never throwing, you know, anything more than ninety one, ninety. You know, on a, on a good day that yeah. could could get outs and go deep into a game. Arietta. Highest peak of any pitcher I've ever seen. Um, that that second half of that 2015 season is you know unbelievable. That was must see TV anytime he was on the mound. Um, Taze, not you know captain of those those teams, um, consistent two way player, three championships um, was definitely the heart of those teams. Zobrist, biggest hit in Cubs history, um, definitely uh, you know could play anywhere. I felt like he was a bargain of a free agent signing. Another guy who's one of the better free agent signings um, of my lifetime. Akeem Hicks, absolutely loved that dude. Loved his swagger. Um, was one of the more under. I felt like one of the more underrated players in in football when he was at his peak. Never yeah, like I've never felt so comfortable in like third and fourth and short. Um, yeah. You know, over that 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 run when when he was in the middle. Um, and I feel like he doesn't get enough love. It just was a nasty guy. Like I just, I loved his sort of attitude on the field. Um, Had definitely a ton of fuck you to him. Then I had Tillman who you took Forte. You know, I feel like Forte was, was kind of a little bit, 
I don't want to say ahead of his time, but you know, loved what he could do out of the backfield. Was another guy who was as consistent as as they came. Hundred catches, right? That one. Yeah, hundred. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think he would do a thousand. Did he do a thousand? A thousand? Is that what it was? Did he? Did he get there? Did he do that? I think the team was terrible, whatever year it was. But I think he did yeah. a thousand. A thousand. Did he do? I remember. If yeah, only there was a way we could we could look this up. <laughs> yeah, if only. Uh, uh, Contreras, I had at seventeen. That, that's, so he was he was probably my next pick. Uh, uh, yeah, another I'm, guy. Like Wilson. Wilson was the only other guy on the 2016 team that I had on my list. Um, also, I can let you talk about him a little more. Um, Seabrook felt like for the Hawks, he scored every single big goal that there was. That that 2013 overtime game seven winner against Detroit is probably my favorite. You know, Blackhawks moment to be honest. Yeah, the rivalry that existed between those two teams. Um, uh, so I just feel like in big games when they in overtime, it just always seemed like Seabrook was the one scoring. Keith right after Seabrook. Yeah. Um, those two guys I sort of felt like were were um in tandem. One of the greatest defensemen in the history of the NHL. Definitely one of the greatest defensemen of of his generation. A top 100 all time guy. Con Smythe Trophy winner. Just one of the best Chicago athletes I think ever. Yeah. Um, and then I had Cleo Mack at 20. Um, never quite, uh, you know, lived up to what I thought he was going to be. But that first game against Green Bay, some of the moments that he had where he's just, you know, like picking up guy like Austin Wirfs, right? Werfs, <laughs> just yeah. whipping it like I don't know. He was just a superhero. Um, yeah. So I, I had Mac at 20 and that that's my list. Okay. What was the thing I was going to look up? Now you look it up. Oh, Forte. Yeah. I'll look up Forte. Oh, Forte. Yeah. Look up Forte. Um, all right. So yeah, I mentioned uh, Wilson Contreras. It's really kind of a lot of the, the same things with Javi where it's like, you got this guy behind the plate who you can see like showing emotion as a catcher, like just seeing how much he likes the game. Uh, how fired up he would get, how hard he would run the bases. Um, those are, I just love both those kids uh, and, and what they brought to that team. And when you mentioned, you know, that Brian was like, a, they had a lot of guys who were pretty kind of level. Flat. By the way, I'm surprised Schwarber didn't make your list with the, just for the scoreboard home run. Yeah, that I'm, I, I yes, when I when I looked at my list, he was definitely one of the guys who was like yeah, probably should be on here, but I'm still just annoyed that they didn't pay him eight million dollars yeah, and sign him. Let him go. Uh, uh wasn't so on I, really on that World Series team, missed that entire 2016. I don't know. Well, so. Yeah, but who knows what it, they might if I don't win the World Series, if you not yeah, there. that's possible too. Yeah, yeah. Um there's been very few catchers. Uh, that I've seen, I guess I, maybe Tony Pena I would put in this <laughs> category too. They were just kind of, I felt like we're entertaining to watch as receivers. And I know like his pitch framing was not great and everything else, but like just uh, what he brought to the table, um, I really enjoyed watching. Uh, my next guy is a trade acquisition, um, Aramis Ramirez. And I think most of his career was before you really were following uh but aramis was a guy who i really liked with the pirates hit one of his early seasons um he had a great year with the pirates where he he was like he was barely 21 i think he got called up very early and hit i think 34 homers 
um, with the Pirates. And I just loved saying his name. It was just a fun name to say. And even before he was on the Cubs, I was like, when they would, when the Pirates would come to town, uh, I would just be, they would, oh yeah. So in 2001, which is already his fourth year, I guess, or like parts of four years, is a 23 year old. He hit 300, 350, 536 with uh, 34 home runs. Then he has a pretty bad year the next year. And then the following year, he's 25 and he gets traded to the Cubs. Um, and obviously was a key part of that run in 2003. And just, you could always pencil him in for, you know, 30-ish home runs, uh, 100 RBIs when that was something we really cared about. Um, and just, like I said, he was just a, a guy who I just liked um, even before. And then my next guy is another guy who I liked uh, before they got here. It was a guy that during his final college season, I was targeting for them to get as a receiver. Uh, and that's Alshon Jeffrey. Um, okay. Probably has, I don't know, like three of my five favorite bear catches of all time. So um, one in the back of the end zone against yeah, uh, the Cowboys. Just, yeah, just he could go up and get it. Wasn't the fastest guy. Uh, but just was a good, like a really good downfield threat. And again, there's something different too. Well, for one, he left and then like was a huge disappointment with the Eagles. But again, like kind of left. Super Bowl was on, was a part of that Super Bowl team in 2017. I'm sure that they they probably would 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 not go back and and say no to that contract. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, flags fly. Flags fly forever. Uh. But yeah, just in again, just like someone that I wanted them to draft and they actually did it. I've talked about that, how rarely that happens. Um, so, so why yeah, him he, over Marshall, by the way, just because you wanted them, him, them to yeah, draft I just him? Had, yeah, I had more of a soft spot. And then again, like Mar again, Marshall was already an established guy. Gotcha. I uh, had, you know, just as it was more of a Bronco to me when I kind of look back on it. Uh, Matt Stairs, who I think I mentioned on a previous podcast, was just this. He played one season with the Cubs. It was just this kind of portly guy who just uh, liked to hit home runs and take walks uh, and was just really entertaining. was like really had, I'm sure his defensive metrics were terrible because he was not fast, um, <laughs> but he, he had really good hands. Uh, he had actually come up as a second baseman, but like was basically too slow and fat <laughs> to play second base. <laughs> He was mostly, I think, a DH in Oakland, and then he came here and played right field, uh, played some first base at like 5'9". Uh, I just loved him. Mark Pryor obviously like just came in and was so electric, and again, that was another year I was working at the park. So you have like Derek Rose stuff with him too, or it's just like, damn, this guy's career was too yeah, short? Yeah, absolutely. There's Derek Rose stuff with him. Yeah, the, what could have been... Uh, he was so good and they, and Dusty just annihilated his arm. Now I think there's some revisionist history going on. Oh, the inverted, the inverted W, which I don't know why they don't call it an M, but like, Oh, it was always obvious that he was going to, going to get hurt based on his mechanics. There were way more stories about his mechanics being perfect uh, when he was coming up than there were about like him potentially getting injured. Uh, and then Tyson Chandler um, was the guy I really liked that they gave up on too soon. Uh, 
And then my the last guy that I'm going to mention is R.W. McWhorters. Uh, first of all, just the, her initials are R.W. And that's what you're <laughs> going to go by. Like, could not roll off the tongue any worse. Like, maybe F.P. San- Santangelo, who probably you don't even know who that is, uh, Noah. Uh, but it's just not, a, not the initials that just roll off the tongue. Um, but I loved R.W.'s game. Uh, was a, a cornerback who uh, was also a pretty decent punt returner, nowhere near in the Devin Hester uh, league, but could break a few. Uh, and I just liked the way he played. Uh, again, another guy that played with a lot of joy. Interesting. Neither of us had Jimmy on, the, on our list, by the way. Uh, yeah. Do you know who my next bull was actually? It was Nicola. Miritich? Uh, yeah, I liked Miritich. <laughs> I would not have guessed that in a million years, though. <laughs> Yep, that was my next guy. All right, so we'll put a poll. Oh, I also had can... Tyrus Thomas. Tyrus Thomas was also a late cut for me. Tyrus Thomas? Yeah. Why? Uh, I thought I, the, I was so negative about him because he just yeah. wasn't Lamarcus Aldridge. Yeah, everyone was negative about him. Uh, he was an insane athlete. I there like I've told you this before, like. Right, the he flashes, the limbs. flashes. Yes, yeah. like there were there were plays that he made that I was like, holy shit! If this guy can fucking put it together, obviously he never did. Uh, so that is my list. Those are our favorite Chicago athletes of all time. Noah, anything else that you want to say? No, no. Put a poll. Um, I think I obviously won. So, and I think the the poll will reflect that. I like the new segment for sure. Uh, I like I like. So it sounds like we have more to shake off. Um, we didn't quite shake everything off. Um, <laughs> no, but this was fun. One, this yeah, this like was it. this was fun. All right. I hope everyone enjoyed listening, and we'll see you next week when our subject will be determined. Right. Thank you, everybody. Yep. Thanks, guys. 